0: a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, Om Shanti. Welcome to The Next Normal in collaboration with American Meditating Radio. I can't believe we're actually in our eighth year of America Meditating shows. So you know, we've done almost two thousand shows. I have no idea how it's happening, and of course, the next normal was birth as a result of the pandemic, and our meditation museums are closed. So we decided why not just marry these both together since their alignment of intention are pretty much on the same vibrational frequency. I hope you're taking good care of yourself and moving into that special place for you where you can find your truth and your beauty and your power. It feels as if this period of time that we're in is asking us simply just for that. We really need that space and that time. So let's go right to why you tuned in today is to meet our very special guest Dr. Greg Hammer. Dr. Hammer is a professor at Stanford University School of Medicine Pediatric Intensive Care Physician a pediatric anesthesiologist, mindfulness expert, which is the part I really love, and the author of Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. He's a member of the Stanford's Well MD initiative, and Dr. Hammer is currently the chair of the Physician's Wellness Task Force for the California Society of Anesthesiologists. He has been a visiting professor and lecturer on wellness at institutions worldwide and he teaches a game method to medical students and residents and fellows at Stanford. Dr. Hammer is a health enthusiast and meditator utilizing a non-duality and mindfulness-based approach and I'm hoping that today we will walk away with some deep insights by the beautiful Dr. Hammer. Dr. Hammer. Welcome to America Meditating Radio and Next Normal. How are you?
1: I'm very well. It's it's wonderful to be with you.
0: Same here. Well look, you've authored a new book, Gain Without Pain. This is something I tell my mother all the time. She has a lot of emotional traumas that she's still not able to exit from her consciousness. So she has a way of walking around the house. I'm in pain. Oh, I'm in pain and I go, There's no gain without pain, Mom. Then she's like, Okay So this new book, Gain Without Pain for Healthcare Professionals, gosh, our healthcare professionals have been going through so much. My heart goes out to them. The challenges have been overwhelming. How have they been able to navigate? And tell us a little bit about the book.
1: I think that healthcare professionals have been going through a lot, but I also think that everybody else around the world has also been going through quite a bit. There is, I think, always stress associated with life. Because let's face it, when things as they are do not seem to align with the way that we want them to be or think that we need them to be. So life itself is stressful. And then you superimpose something like the pandemic, not to mention all the other things that are going on around the world that are stressful. I think it raises everybody's stress level. So while healthcare professionals have been stressed, I think that everyone else has been as well you asked about the book. So the book is my first book. It sort of came to be initially related to the Stanford WellMD program, which was convened in response to the rising tide of burnout among physicians, physician suicide. And when physicians are chronically stressed and have emotional and physical fatigue, which is the definition of burnout, the quality of their care also diminishes. And we see more of hospital-borne infections, higher mortality rates, etc. So there's quite a cost to be paid for physician burnout. So Stanford formed the WellMD initiatives. I jumped on board immediately and then I was asked to give a talk on burnout in medicine at a national meeting and then another and another and another. And then I had some sabbatical time. So I thought the message that I was delivering was resonating and just seemed to The arrows were all pointing in the direction of spreading the message by writing the book. So I sat down and mostly wrote from the heart, and the first game book was born.
0: Beautiful. How interesting how we have these narratives and these stories recorded inside of our personalities. And it wasn't one of our to-do list things, but the way the time, the situation, the circumstances emerges, that action or that choice a consistent phenomenon and i think that it makes life a little bit more exciting i want to go back a little bit to the stress factor that you spoke about because i think that when we reach this point of being so stressful it means we just haven't been taking care of ourselves we haven't been addressing certain emotional issues that were popping up during our day-to-day activities Maybe we've been holding on to negative feelings about a coworker. maybe we're frustrated with the medical world and administration and we talk all of those emotions and then life gives us a million things to do and we haven't aligned our feelings in the right place. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the stress factor and see if you agree with me stress is something that basically says I'm just not paying attention to the issues that need addressing. And the second thing is, what have you been offering healthcare providers and everybody uh, that you come in contact with a method or a tool to just alleviate that particular energy?
1: Well, I think, again, that stress comes from the resistance to what is. So, when we feel that the world is not comporting to our apparent wants and needs, we feel stressed. And so, The A in gain is acceptance, and basically it is just the sinking into our heart and accepting rather than resisting what is. I have a formula in the book, which is suffering equals pain times resistance. And so pain is inevitably part of life. And how much we suffer related to that pain is up to what extent we accept versus resist it. So if we open our hearts and fully accept that which is painful, our suffering diminishes. But I would say that there are a handful of important truths that come to bear when we think of stress. The first one is that our true nature is happiness. And that happiness is apparently veiled by the way our minds work. And there are a couple of ways that our minds seem to be hardwired that apparently veil our happiness and the first one is that we have a negativity bias. We tend to remember and hold on to negative thoughts and let go of the positive thoughts. So we have a negativity bias and everybody has a mind that is apparently wired this way. The other truth is that we tend to be obsessed with the past and the future. And I would consider that those thoughts are adaptive in some cases and maladaptive beyond that. So for example, when we think about the past, when we're walking down the street and our minds are preoccupied, we're thinking of something that happened yesterday or earlier in this day or last week, it's adaptive to think of wonderful times we've had with friends and family. And it's adaptive to some extent to recognize our mistakes so that we don't keep repeating them. But beyond that, we get stuck in thoughts of the past. And this generates shame and regret, embarrassment and self-judgment. And similarly with the future, it's adaptive to think about good times to come and adaptive to plan to put bread on the table. But beyond that, our thoughts of the future generate fear and anxiety. And this is especially apparent nowadays because we're not sure what's going to happen. And because of our negativity bias, when we get stuck in thinking about What may transpire, we tend to catastrophize and think of the worst possible thing that might happen, even though it will almost certainly not come to bear. It's adaptive for me in my professional life to think about the worst thing that could happen so that I can prepare for it and prevent it. It was adaptive perhaps for our forebears to think about the worst thing that might happen if they were 50,000 years ago, uh, early Homo sapiens cave dwelling and imagining there might be a saber tooth tiger lurking outside the mouth of the cave, it may have been adaptive for them to be concerned about that. And that maybe helped them stay safe and helped them, therefore, have time to procreate and so on. And, and so those genes for worrying about the future perhaps spread within our DNA. And they're with us today. But the thing is that today we don't generally have a saber tooth tiger lurking outside the mouth of our cave. So... Now it's maladaptive to be worried about that. And so I think the negativity bias and the obsession with the past and the future really apparently veil our true nature, which is happiness. And the GAIN approach is designed specifically to allow us to remove that veil.
0: I get that. You know, I have used that A in GAIN, except what is, because of my mother and her dementia. It took me about maybe... Two or three months to navigate that this was a completely different person. And you know, when you lose your best friend, your business partner, your parent, your teacher, you're like, wow, who's this person now? And it wasn't until I accepted what is that everything changed and I could feel this enormous weight. Dr. Hammer just lifted off of me at a conscious level. So imagine if we're just so attached to the past and attached to some future that is still being governed by past unfulfilled emotions, the stress factor must be really high. So definitely we would lose the gift of happiness that's already in us. COVID's got its own purpose, right? (laughs) It just won't stop. And... I know there are a lot of issues in the United States and elsewhere. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. Let's put all of that aside. What can we do to make ourselves healthier and each other happier? Any thoughts?
1: First, uh, we have to take care of our physical bodies. And I think tripod that supports our physical well-being consists of sleep, exercise, and nutrition. So we need to go back to basics because if we're not sleeping and we're eating poorly and we're not exercising, our bodies are going to be very distracting and they're going to represent or create resistance to what is. So good sleep hygiene, that's a whole other conversation. And some kind of daily exercise, even if you can't go to the gym during COVID, at least we can get out and walk. And nutrition, it's really simple principles. I mean, I would say go more toward a plant-based diet and less sugary and refined so-called comfort foods. But our spiritual well-being, I think, really depends on the four elements of gain. At least this is one way of looking at it, which I think is simple, and we can easily bring those four elements into our thoughts, and they are gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. Gratitude, I think, is requisite for happiness. We can be blind and happy. We can be very poor and happy, but you won't see somebody who's ungrateful and happy. And we have so much for which to be grateful. We all can identify certain really key elements in our lives that should make us grateful. So when we sit for our three or four or five minute morning gain meditation, we get in touch with our breath, we slow it down, maybe inhaling slowly to a count of three, pausing for a count of three, and without effort letting the breath go to a count of four. And as we do this a few times, it tends to quiet our sympathetic nervous system so we can feel the adrenaline in our body subsiding, our heart rate goes down, our blood pressure goes down, and we relax into the contemplation of the gain elements. And the first one is gratitude. And for me, first thing I usually think of is I'm grateful to be here today. I was diagnosed with a form of chronic leukemia 10 years ago. And fast forward today, I take one pill every day and there's no sign of leukemia in my body and I feel great. And so I'm very grateful for the miracles of modern medicine, for example. But there are many other things for which we can all be grateful, and we contemplate these. And then we move to acceptance. And for me, the first thing that comes to mind is losing my son at the age of 29 about four years ago. So that comes to the fore, much like perhaps the sadness you feel about your mother comes to the fore. And I actually suggest that we visualize opening our chest and opening our heart and seeing this pain come closer and closer and closer until it's in our heart and we've really merged with it. There's no separation. And if we ask ourselves, can we live with this pain forever? The answer becomes yes, we can. And we lower our resistance and therefore our suffering, because suffering equals pain times resistance. Then we move to intention. And again, we could talk about this all day. But the fact is that as John kabat one of my real heroes, who's sort of the founder of mindfulness practice, define mindfulness as the awareness of the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And so the on purpose is our intention. And we can actually rewire this negativity bias and this obsession with the past and the future through our intention, bringing intention to our thoughts and refocusing on what is now and what is positive. And we can talk about some examples of that if we have time. And then we move to non-judgment and seeing the world exactly as it is. And these four elements of GAIN are really interrelated. So non-judgment is partly just accepting the way things are without assigning the labels of good or bad. So when I do my non-judgment contemplative portion of the GAIN meditation, I actually visualize the earth as seen from space one of these beautiful NASA images and what a beautiful globe it is. And it's sort of suspended in space and it's not good not bad. It just is exactly what it is. And I open my heart to that. And then I turn to myself and recognize if the world is just as it is, neither good nor bad, then perhaps I am neither good nor bad. I just am who I am. And I sit with that. And then I go back to the breath and then slowly open my eyes and I'm ready to go out into the world and continue to practice these four elements of gain as I pedal to work or as I prepare to enter a patient's room in the intensive care unit, I remember my gratitude, my non-judgment, maybe I smell cigarette smoke on the sweater of a mother or father of a child who's on the ventilator and I start to form a judgment and I stop myself and laugh internally and just let that judgment go. And so these are elements we can practice all the time and I teach really starting our day with this brief contemplative meditation that can take as little as three minutes, but it really kind of sets us up for bracing these principles during the day. And I think that is a great way to reduce stress and to unveil our happiness.
0: Beautiful. Firstly, my heartfelt feelings and wishes for the transitioning of your son. I know it is what it is, but gosh, you can never find the words. And being a medical physician where we sometimes feel I can take care of this. I can handle it. I know what to do. And then you realize something in the universe or about life is so bigger than what I know or what I'm capable of doing. And is there something that you have learned from that transitioning of your son?
1: Absolutely. Well, I think as the Serenity Prayer would teach us, we need to discern from what we can change and what we cannot change. And what we cannot change, we must accept I mean, we can resist it, but again, this will just increase our suffering. And so I think my son taught me so much during his life and what he has taught me now is to not just be okay with his passing, but actually embrace it to bring that pain closer and closer until it really is part of me, it's inside my heart. And I feel every day when I do my gain practice, as I feel that pain enter my heart, my body kind of relaxes. So he's taught me to let go of and not resist what is. Life has its ups and downs, its pain as much as its joy, and we need to accept
0: that. I get that. So what was your call? I mean, I would love every doctor to be a meditator, but they're not. <laughs> but what was it that took you into a more mindful, holistic approach towards your profession, but also sharing that with your colleagues?
1: You know, Sister Jenna, I have always been a seeker of the truth. And when I was younger, like many people in medicine, I thought that if I learned everything I could about human biology, about chemistry, about physics, I could find the answer that way. And I pursued that with great vigor. And eventually, I came to understand that the truth is not in the little bits. You know, I went to a lecture for COVID by an Italian physicist who was part of the team that discovered this Higgs boson particle that filled the gaps in our knowledge of physics and quantum mechanics. And I thought, what a great discovery, but it's not the answer. There will always be another subatomic particle or force, and the truth cannot be found through really learning about the little bits. And so I came to realize that and began to let go of this materialist model that the knowledge is made of the little component parts and that we can understand the truth by learning the component parts and that consciousness comes from our mind. I transitioned to a consciousness-only model. And when I started thinking of it that way, I think really about 10 or 12 years ago sort of had this epiphany, things started to make a lot more sense. And then there was synergy in meeting my teacher, Rupert Spira, who's a brilliant man from Oxford, England, who teaches non-duality. And so I sit with him a few times a year, along with my brother, and this sort of really reinforced this consciousness-only model as a way of thinking. And I think most people in medicine, probably as in other forms of science, maybe somebody who's a quantum physicist may be different because I think they may see some other truths at play. But I think for the rest of us in science, we tend to really kind of believe in science as providing us the answer to everything. And I don't think that that is true. I think there's an apparent duality of the importance of learning about medicine, about the facts, about all the little aspects of human biology and physiology. But I don't think we can tell ourselves that we'll find the truth that way. It's important to know these things to be able to be the best healer we can be, but it's also important to recognize that all of this comes from one source, and that is consciousness.
0: Perfect. You know, I believe science is a tool. It has done so much for our lives, and it will continue. My only thing with it is can you just incorporate consciousness, the soul in it, the sixth element of light, and then watch the even greater magic of science take over our lives and make us into these better human beings. You know, there's this separation between the world of matter and then the world of spirit or the world of consciousness. And, I mean, I'm glad to know doctors like you and others who say, okay, I believe in science. I also believe in consciousness and the soul, and that based on the way you think and make choices and feel, it is impacting the world of matter for you. And so if you're not paying attention to the way that you are feeling and the emotions that you are serving, then it's going to show itself in a form of matter through illness or stress. And so imagine, Dr. Hammer, if we can just bring that consciousness in like what you're doing, it will make the world of science and spirituality such a beautiful marriage. So there's something that you had mentioned in the game about intentionality and how can the intentional living change our brain and our lives.
1: sure well i'll give you one example of that that i think is very simple and quite poignant and evidence-based if you will so there's a program at duke university called three good things and they've enrolled thousands of patients in a study of the efficacy of thinking about three good things that happen during the day as you prepare to go to sleep at night so you can do this while you're turning down the bed linens If you're a journaler, then you can write down three good things. If you're like me and don't have a tendency to write things down, just think of three good things that happen during the day before you go to sleep. And so for those who commit to this practice, they fill out a quality of life survey and then they commit to this practice for as little as 15 days. And then they have a repeat quality of life survey afterward and months after that. And what they found is that people who do this practice of three good things are actually sleeping better and they're becoming happier. And so this is a way of rewiring the brain through intention. Again, our brains are hardwired to have a negativity bias and to be stuck in the past and the future. And this is really beautiful practice. So simple, just like the game practice, I think, but actually results in a rewiring of the brain. And so. Tonight, I will think of what a beautiful day it is here in Northern California. I'm actually flying down to San Diego to a meeting where I'll see some friends I haven't seen since COVID. I will remember this beautiful conversation that you and I are having, Sister Jenna, and I'm sure there'll be other wonderful things that happen today that I'll remember as I go to sleep tonight. And again, this is just a demonstration that through intention, as simple as just practicing three good things or the GAIN method, we can actually rewire our brains away from this negativity bias toward a more positive way of being and therefore a happier way of
0: being. And It's such an exciting time, isn't it? I mean, back in the day when we had candles for lighting, now we have electricity. And now to have a physician, to have science, there's proven scientific studies now that your thoughts and your consciousness actually impact things in life and your whole unfolding of even the environment and nature. So We often hear about the need to set goals. Can you share a little bit, is there a difference between intentions and goals? Because many of us don't even really know how to set an intention, and we sometimes mix it up as a goal.
1: Sure. I think that intentions are happening right now. We're setting our intentions right now. When we practice GAIN in the morning, we're setting our intention for the moment and for the day. And when we go to sleep, We think of three good things. We're utilizing our intentions. They're happening in the present moment. Goals are something that are sort of off on the horizon. And so as an example of the difference between intention and goals, I love to ride my bike up into the hills around this area near Stanford, really beautiful vistas. And if I pedal up to the top of the hills, up to Skyline Boulevard, I can often see the Pacific Ocean. And so, on a Saturday morning, I set my goal as getting to the top of that hill and gazing over the Pacific Ocean, but my intention is to experience every moment of the ride, to really feel my muscles working, to feel the breaths entering and leaving my chest, and to appreciate the beauty of all of the scenery of nature, of animals that I may see on my way to the top of the hill, so that's my intention. My intention is to be present during the ride. Lo and behold, I get to the top of the hill, and as often happens around here, the fog has rolled in, and I can barely see 50 feet in front of me. (laughs) So I have not reached my goal, but I am happy because I set my intention, and my intention has been fulfilled. And so this is common in life that we don't always reach our goals. Our goals are kind of at arm's length. And I think as we learn to be present and really experience every moment of our lives, and the present moment is really the only one we ever truly experience, we can actualize our intentions as we go. It's fine to have goals, but I think we need to kind of put them in their place and recognize that they are at arm's length. They are off in the distance. And what we really are doing is we're setting our intention to make small baby steps of progress toward that goal, but to be living the intention with each step.
0: It's interesting because the intention is such a deep soul assignment. You know, it is a deep connection to the intrinsic nature of the soul, the motive of the soul, the feeling in the soul. And when we're so stressed out and we haven't addressed a lot of issues, we don't even know where to start with an intention. So I'm glad that you've also offered some baby steps in that direction because it's needed. So did you enjoy intentionally the fog when you got up to the top of the mountain?
1: (laughs) I actually do enjoy the fog. The fog is so beautiful. I mean, it's this visible, really tactile representation of the forces of nature. And, you know, if you're even driving your car along 280 around here, you can see the fog rolling in and draping over the hills. It looks like a real blanket and the sun may be shining overhead. And so you get these beautiful rainbow-like effects. And the fog is actually quite beautiful. Absolutely.
0: It is quite beautiful. Sometimes when I wake up here and It's a very, very misty morning. It just feels like I've been transported into another dimension of time and it makes me feel (laughs) grateful. So Dr. Hammer, it's been a delight having you on air today and you've left us with a lot of really important tools that anyone who tuned into today's program could definitely take away. Is there anything else that you feel that you'd like to share that perhaps you'd like to just seal our time together?
1: Well, I would just encourage everybody to understand that there's no such thing as failure. We really learn regularly in small increments, as I said, baby steps. So I would just encourage all of us to have a daily practice, even if it's just a few minutes. And that's the gain method, can be the three good things practice. But when we find ourselves mired in negativity, to remember and recognize that we're doing that and remember that we can take charge of our thoughts and just make them more positive, we all share this quality of negativity, bias, and obsession with the past and future. So we're not alone, but we can change things. And we do that little by little and recognizing that we'll have good days and bad days, but there's no such thing as failure as long as we're embarking on this journey.
0: I always thought like failure just means I missed some detail. I just missed something. Let me go back and get it. But um, it's been a delight. What's the best website that our wonderful audience can find you?
1: My website is greghammermd.com. It's G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com. And there's a lot of information there, a lot of media. Probably our conversation will be there eventually. And they can find access to my book there. They can also go on Amazon and go to the book section and put Game Without Pain and My Last Name Hammer in the search window, and they'll
0: find it that way. Your last time I was thinking, can't touch this. <laughs> I know you get that a lot. <laughs>
1: MD Hammer, yes.
0: I know, right? Are you open to doing that three-minute meditation that you mentioned earlier on that is connected to your gain module? And thank you for offering us an opportunity or an insight that we can actually now gain without the pain because we used to always know there's no gain without pain, right? But you're actually saying we can go through some a quiet experience of some beauty without the discomfort. Are you open to leave us with a little meditation today?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Oh. Okay. So let's close our eyes and we sit quietly, make ourselves comfortable. And we notice the air entering our body through our nose. We slowly take that breath in to a count of three and pause and hold it inside us for a count of three. And then slowly let it count of four. Slowing the breath, but noticing the magic of the breath entering our nose, filling our chest, and leaving our body. And We notice our gratitude. We notice that we're grateful for this ability to enjoy the air, to take a deep breath, to be here today, to be alive, to be experiencing each other's consciousness, the only consciousness that we're all made of, And we're so grateful for the loving people in our lives, our family, our friends, our colleagues. And we're grateful for our health, our relative wealth, the ability to have a roof overhead, to have hot water come from the shower head, all the little miracles that we live with every day. We feel so grateful. And we go to the pain in our lives and we recognize that life has pain as much as it has joy and happiness. And we contemplate that pain can be the loss of a loved one or a parent with dementia or loss of job, financial problem. We focus on that painful element and we actually visualize opening our chest and opening our heart, bringing that pain closer and closer and closer till it enters our chest, enters our heart, and we merge with it. There's no separation between the pain and our heart. And we sit with that, recognizing our breath, and we've absorbed that pain. We've merged with it. We decide that we can live with this pain. It's not as bad as we thought when we were resisting it. And we go back to the breath, and we contemplate our intention. We recognize that our minds are wired to be negative and to be other than present. And we recognize the miracle of rewiring our brain how we can actually recognize when we're having negative thoughts and have a laugh to ourselves and let go of those negative thoughts and go back to the gratitude we have for everything positive in our lives. For the fact that we have an automobile, we can drive around and connect with friends. We can connect with loved ones virtually through the internet as we are now. And we focus on these positive elements of our lives. All of the love we experience The ability to be present, if we focus on being present right now, and we direct our intention to positive ways of being and thinking and remembering our gratitude, and we recognize that if we used our purposefulness, we can make progress in baby stature, which is happiness. And we go to non-judgment. We recognize that our minds are always comparing things around us and judging them as good or bad or too much of this or not enough of that. And we recognize our mind's tendency to do this, and we're grateful for the ability to let go of those judgments. We don't have to label things as good or bad. We might visualize the earth suspended in space, this beautiful orb with its deep blue and its misty cloud cover. And it just is, it's neither good nor bad. It's there suspended in space. We didn't make it that way. We're not going to change it. And it simply is the way it is. And there's a beauty to that. And we turn our attention towards ourselves. If the earth is simply as it is without being good or bad, then we ourselves are neither good nor bad. We too are simply the way we are. We don't have to judge it. We open our arms to it. We're neither good nor bad. We just are the way we are. And we feel grateful for that. And we go back to the breath, slowly entering through our nose, pausing, filling our chest and slowly letting the breath go. Again, the breath in, pause, release. And now we can slowly open our eyes and feel the peace and love that are our true nature. And we're ready to go out into the world with this knowledge and understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Jenna. I'm grateful for our connection today.
0: Me too. To be continued for sure. Anytime. Everyone, I'm sure you've taken a lot from Dr. Hammer and what a beautiful closing of his Gain Without pain new book that is released. So please go to his website for more information. And nowadays, we really do need to support our health care workers and individuals who are trying to bring some normalcy, some balance, some health and wellness to a particular industry that must be so taxed right now. And everyone is, everyone is. So this is not just for health care workers, you know, it's for all of us to be able to find the gain in our lives without the pain. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I suspect the reason why we're here is to love each other the same. Take care. See you soon. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes. 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.